Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Romans 12, 1, 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove that what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as seen of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is, to show mer- if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Well, before you're seated, let me go ahead. I'm going to pray, but um, just wanted to just acknowledge the significance of this weekend as well. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, for those of you who have served our country, we thank you, we honor you, we appreciate you and your service. That's a, it's a big deal. And the significance of Memorial is really we honor those who have given their lives for our country. And this is always in a a big one for our family, for me and Amy, because Amy's father gave his life for our, in serving our country. And so this is always a significant weekend for us where I just really think about the cost, uh, is the sacrifice that people have paid for our country. It also reminds me of something that I would say is even more significant. It's the fact that Jesus gave his life. He sacrificed his life so that you and I could be free so that you and I could have forgiveness and have life, have an abundant life, have this free life, have eternal life. And so, I'm, and so in light of that, I also want us to make sure we are thankful for Jesus and what he has done, what the sacrifice he has given for us. So would you join me in prayer right now, Lord? We're so thankful for our country, for, uh, for all the people that have served and, and helped make this country what it is, Lord. We pray uh, that you would bless and honor those families and those people. And uh, above all, Jesus, we just want to, to say thank you to you and for who you are, what you've done in our life. And we look to you for our, for our purpose, for our meaning, for, for everything, Jesus. Where would we be without you? And so, Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave us. You willingly laid down your life so that we could have life. 
And so, Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would walk in the life, the abundant life that you freely offer us. Lord, for those who haven't accepted that life through your death and resurrection, Lord, I pray that today would be a day they find life in you. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat. We are at the end of the series called God's Plan. And really, the series has been talking about what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? Why do we exist? I think when we ask that question, oftentimes what we're asking is, what's the meaning of my life, right? Why do I exist? What what is my purpose in life? And I think existence really comes down to, to two things. Either we're here by accident or we're here on purpose, right? So either we're a product of evolution or a product of, evol- uh, of creation. Both take faith. I happen to believe that it takes more faith to believe in evolution than creation because it takes, I, I have a hard time believing that something can come from nothing. It takes a lot more faith to believe that something can come from nothing as opposed to something can come from something, which is creation. And so as we explore the meaning of life, uh, I think it's important we look to the one who gave us life, who gave us our existence, who created us, our creator. And God has meaning for you. God has purpose for you. And that's what this series has been all about. You and I discovering, walking in the center of God's meaning and purpose, which is his will. God has plans. God has a will for your life. So Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse we've looked at a lot. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I love that it, it says declares, too. It's not suggests. It's declares. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We long to know what we're supposed to do in life, what decisions we're supposed to make, where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to do this kind of stuff. And God is saying, I know. I know the plans that I have for you. And so it's important that we look to him, that we ask him, that we seek him for those plans because God says, I have plans for you. This is a promise you can take from his word. God has plans for you. So it's important that we look to him and we have this posture of, of trust. Do I really trust God? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will show you where to go. He will lead you. He will guide you. But it comes down to this issue of trust. Do I trust him? Do I trust that God's plans for me are better than my plans for me? Because we can get caught up and I got plans, I got ideas, I got things that I want to do that I feel like I need to do, and that's great, and we're going to talk about that today, but do I trust God ultimately for his plans for my life even more than my plans for my life? We've got to trust in him. If we're going to live at the center of his will, there has to be this element of God, I trust you no matter what. I put all of my, I don't need even lean on my understanding, I'm going to lean on your understanding. I'm going to lean on just trusting you, even when I feel like there's no understanding at all. That doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust in you. And I pray that we would have that mindset and that posture and that heart. I just want to be in the center of God's will, no matter what. This was a driving passion of Jesus. Do you realize that? Jesus is all about living out the will of his Father. He says this, recorded in John 4, He says, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
And so the disciples, his, his buddies had gone into town. They, want, they were all hungry. They wanted to get some food. So they all went into town. Jesus is left on the outskirts of town. He's hanging out by a well, talking to a lady. They go in, they get some food, and, they, and they, you know, they're going to In-N-Out. They're bringing back the In-N-Out to, to Jesus, and, and he, they start talking to Jesus. Like, Jesus, do you get food? And he's like, no, 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 you guys understand. My food, the food that I'm concerned with, the food that, I, that nourishes me is to do the will of the Father. That's what I am after. This was a focus of his life. It consumed him. This is why I think fasting can be so important because we push aside food, as important as it is, as much as we like it, and we say, God, more than food, I want your will. And so I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna seek you, God, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna fast, I'm giving up food because the food that I really want more than anything else is your will. I wanna be the center of your will, help me, speak to me in this decision. Fasting can be a great thing for us to do. And I pray that we would long to be in the center of God's will even more than we long for pizza for lunch. That that would be the food that we long for. That, that's the food that nourishes us, sustains us. I just want to be in the center of God's will. That's what Jesus was after. He says, that's the food that really concerns me. So being in the center of God's will was a big deal to Jesus it should be a big deal to us. And that's what this whole series is about, God's plan as we discern what's God's will for my life. And first and foremost, we've talked about this every week, is to know him and make him known, right? To know God, just to be in relationship with him, to know him. We'll talk about that means enjoying him today and making him known. And then there's that secondary one that sometimes becomes too primary for us. We're way concerned with, you know, what am I called to do, my career, my job, and all that. It's that secondary thing. It's my my calling based upon my gifts, my passions, my values, and my experiences. And then we've got that everything else in life we call the tertiary will of God, which is all these decisions that I'm trying to navigate and make. God, what is your will for me? And the cool thing is that God wants to help us with all this. God wants to speak to us. God wants to lead us. And he speaks to us. He reveals his will in many different ways. I just love that God wants to speak to us. That's just super cool. That God wants to guide us. That God wants to help us through all of this. And so we've gone through eight so far in this series. Today we're going to hit the ninth one. But let's just, just real quickly, let's do a little review. Nine ways that God reveals his will. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Very important. As a believer in God, he comes and sets up residence inside of you. His presence lives inside of you and he speaks to us. His spirit will speak to us. And so it's important that we, more than anything else, learn to discern the voice of God speaking to us in our life. Jesus said, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it's learning to hear God's voice. And this is how we do it. We just open up our heart, open up our life to him. Just be available for him to speak. It's that still small voice that oftentimes is gonna come. He's gonna speak to you by his spirit. Number two is the word of God. God will speak to us always through his word. And and it's important for us to understand that obedience to God's word always puts us in God's will. Always. You want to be in the center of God's will? Obey this. <laughs> and you will always be in God's will. So God's word is so important. Uh, we talked about that weeks ago. Godly counsel, very important. It's, we need people that we can go to, that we can trust, that have uh, been there, that have done that, that are beyond where we've been in life. So godly counsel will protect us, it'll correct us, it'll help guide us in life. It's amazing to me how many people don't have people they can go to. And sometimes we go to the wrong people. 
want to make sure we have godly, wise counsel that have weathered the storms in life and aren't shaken by these things like we can get shaken. And sometimes when we're struggling with decisions and it's emotional and all that, we need people that have gone through that before, right? And I would say those first three right there, the Holy Spirit, Word of God, and godly counsel, those are the three predominant ways that God's going to help you and I discover and walk in God's will. And first and foremost is always going to be the Holy Spirit leading you, speaking to you, guiding you. Jesus said the Spirit's going to come to guide you in all truth. Then the next one was prophecy. We talked about prophecy and how God uses prophetic words. So God may speak to, to you through someone else. Or God may speak through you to someone else. Okay, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So this is important. It's, 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 it's something that God still uses today. One of the elements of my story that I haven't shared yet in this, in this series is it deals with the prophetic word. So let me just go ahead and share this. This is kind of interesting. But I'll never forget about a month before I graduated from high school. So part of my story is, if you've missed it, I was on a missions trip after I graduated from high school, summer of 92, in Barcelona, where the Olympics were taking place. And I sensed God was speaking to me on one of those days, Tyrone, I'm calling you to be a pastor. And so that's where the journey began for me to pursue this. Well, if you actually rewind three months, I had this prophetic word experience that I had tried to ignore and kind of forgot about for a few months. But I'll never forget... Being at the church I grew up in, it was a Sunday night. I was down at the altar right over here in this area, and I was just praying. I was seeking God. A bunch of people were just kind of praying and worship at the end of the Sunday night service. And the guest speaker that night got up to the mic, and he says, hey, I have a sense that God's calling someone to be a pastor here tonight. Whoever that is, I want you to raise your hand because I just want to pray for you. I'm telling you, the moment he said that, my heart's just like, I'm like, oh, dear God. I'm like, are you serious, God? Because it's, when your heart starts pounding like that, you know, like, okay, God's speaking to you. This is it. And I have this wrestling match, this internal wrestling match going on that I'm struggling. I don't know. I don't know how to respond. I'm scared. My pastor, that doesn't even sound fun to me. And I, all those things are going through my mind. And you know what I did? Nothing. I totally ignored it. I did nothing. Ten minutes goes by, and the guy gets up there again on the mic. He's like, I just feel strongly. And so I'm just going to throw it out there again. If God's calling someone here to be a pastor, if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Okay, same thing happening. And my heart's just right. I'm just like, oh, God, what are you trying you know, and, and I'm wrestling again. And do you know what I did that time? Nothing. And I went home, and, and I tried to just forget that experience. I was like... Uh, seriously, I tried to suppress that. That poor guy went home and probably thought, man, I missed God. He felt very strongly about it. So the truth was, he was obedient, I wasn't. And it's amazing how God can use prophetic words. And it's important that we're faithful with, the, with those prophetic words and, 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 and sharing those. And the results and what happens is not up to us, it's up to God. I was disobedient in that. He was obedient. What's funny about that, too, is that like five or six years later, when I became a youth pastor, I met him again. And I was like, I know you. You're this guy. That, and I shared this story. And he's like, it was just, we had a good laugh about it, you know. That, um, he says, yeah, it probably damaged me for weeks, but it's, um, I've, I've recovered. <laughs> it was, uh, 
Really funny. So prophetic words. God uses prophecy to speak to us and guide us. Number five was spiritual experiences. God can use these experiences in life. Uh, he can speak through dreams and visions and coincidences, angels, creation, media, and whatever else he chooses to use, even the donkey. Circumstances is the next one. Circumstances are things that happen to us in life. Life, just things that happen in life. We talk about open doors, closed doors. So circumstances can speak to us, but we may also need to speak to our circumstances. This is, again, where we need the Spirit of God leading us in life, helping us to figure out what it is. Oh, God's speaking to me through this. Oh, no, I need to speak to this. I need to speak to this circumstance. Okay, so then there's provision. Provision, where God guides, he provides. Okay, if there's no provide, then maybe no God guide in that moment. Okay, so provision. Then there's peace. We talked about that last week. We talked about provision and peace last week. God's peace will guide us. It will guard us. But remember this caution, this warning. We're not looking for a feeling. It's not about chasing the feeling. But God's peace, which doesn't make sense, it will guard us and it will guide us. And so let's talk about the last one, desires. This is a fun one to talk about. Desires. God uses desires in us to lead us, to reveal his will. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I just love that verse because it shows the generosity of God. It shows his heart. God wants to give you your desires. Oh, by the way, since he's your maker and he's your creator, he placed a lot of those desires inside of you. But it's super cool that we have desires, these longings inside of us that God wants to fulfill. And what I've learned, especially as people are discerning some of the big questions in life, like where should I go to college and what should I study and what career should I choose and, and what should my job be? So actually, more often than anything else, God uses our desires to show us where to go. And so as I have conversations, I've had many conversations with people through the years. And as I've had these conversations with people, oftentimes my question is, well, what do you want to do? What sounds fun to you? What are you interested in? What do you enjoy doing? You ever thought about doing that? Maybe that's a God-given desire that he just wants you to pursue. And so oftentimes we just want God to speak to us. God, just tell me. I want a word from you. Sometimes that's why I hesitate sharing my story because God just clearly spoke to me, but I think it's because I was so stubborn and stupid, he had to slap me across the face to kind of show me where to go. But so often, more often, God's gonna lead us with these desires that he has already given us. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? Maybe you should pursue that. And I believe if we delight ourselves in the Lord, first and foremost, and then pursue the desires of our heart, that you're going to experience a series of just God opening doors, opening doors, and he can guide us. It's easier for God to guide us when we're moving than when we're not moving. So just start moving forward. This sounds interesting. I want to pursue this. I like this. Awesome. Go for it. Just remain in this posture of humility and allow God to lead you and guide you through that. But so often, friends, he uses desires, these desires that we have. So we talk about open doors and closed doors, and maybe you've experienced this before where it's like God opens three doors for you. And you're like, okay, God, which one? And he's like, you choose. Which one do you want to take? And God gives us freedom in that too. That God, just tell me. 
No, just go ahead. So I love you. In my grace, just go ahead. Just you choose what sounds good. What do you want to do? You ever heard of Eric Liddell? He's, uh, they made a movie about him called Chariots of Fire. Okay, so he's known as the Flying Scotsman. Back in the 1920s, one of the fastest men on planet Earth. And he was a cool, godly guy who ended up being a missionary in China. But he was really fast, and so he was going to compete in the Olympics. And it's kind of an interesting story where he was favored to win the 100-meter dash, which is like one of the premier events of the Olympics. Anybody excited the Olympics are coming? I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. I just, just, that just thought, I'm sorry, just kind of my mind wandered there. The Olympics are coming. It's one of those times in my life where I just, sit, I just watch way too much TV because I love the Olympics. Okay, I just get all engrossed. Okay, that's, that's cool. All right, so the 100-meter dash is one of those big ones, and Eric Liddell was favored to win it, but it fell on a Sunday, and he had this conviction where he didn't do anything on Sundays. He just was, he was so devoted to God, so he withdrew from the race. He wasn't going to do it because it was on a Sunday. And then he decided to, to enter the 200-meter race, which he did not train for was not prepared for, he drew the outside lane, which is the worst lane, but wouldn't you know, he won the 200-meter race in, I think it was the 1924 Olympics. Not only did he win the race and win gold medal, he broke the Olympic record and the world record all at the same time. Okay, so the guy was super, super good, but in the movie, there's this interesting conversation between him and his sister. And his sister's like, just give up the running, just give it up and go to China. And he's like, I'm gonna go to China. But you don't understand. He's like, I've got to do this. He's like, God made me fast, which is what it says there on the screen, right? God made me fast. And he says this. He says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. I just love that line. He sensed the pleasure of God as he did something he was good at. Therefore, he enjoyed it. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And there's a pleasure that you get to feel as you do the things you're good at, you're gifted at, as you just pursue these God-given desires that he's placed inside of you. Don't you love that? You, you know that years ago, centuries ago, in the church, if they're going to decide if something was a sin or not, the question was, well, did you take delight in it? If you took delight in it, then it was a sin. Like, that's horrible. Like, seriously? Like, okay, so I was just playing with my kids, and I had a lot of fun. That was a sin? Oh, God, forgive me. You know, think about that. That's just, that's not even biblical. God, God wants you and I to enjoy life. He wants us to take pleasure in life. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasure isn't a bad thing, friends. It's a gift of God. So let me just encourage you with this. As we talk about joy and pleasure, do not sacrifice your desires on the altar of other people's expectations. And this is a theme we keep hitting because too many people are living other people's expectations for their life. There's some desires that maybe you need to awaken to or that God's going to awaken you to. Don't sacrifice those desires, those God-ordained desires on the altar of other people's expectations because you're not going to fully enjoy this life that God has given you. There's desires God has placed inside of you that he wants you to pursue. I love the book of Nehemiah. It's a phenomenal story. And if you want to turn to Nehemiah with me, we're going to look at just a few verses. 
at the beginning of this awesome book. Okay, so Nehemiah is a guy that God used to go back to Jerusalem. He was one of those people that was in exile. They'd been captured and taken over and, and taken away from Jerusalem to a foreign land. Nehemiah went back and restored the walls, repaired the walls, and God used him in a mighty way. This is how Nehemiah begins. I just love these first four verses. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It just, can you feel the passion behind Nehemiah's response there? He inquires as to how is everyone doing back in Jerusalem? What's going on there? Well, people are back, but they're not doing so good. In fact, the city's in ruins and the, you know, the, the gate's on fire. And all, it was burnt down and it's, it's not looking good. Nehemiah's response isn't, well, that's a bummer for them. He doesn't respond with anything like, man, I'm glad I don't live there anymore. Got a nice place now. I'm comfortable. This is great. Oh, man. Someone should do something about that broken down city Jerusalem, troubled people thing. You can sense that in verse four, God ignites something inside of Nehemiah. Verse four is such an amazing verse. And I'll never forget reading it years ago. It just wrecked me. It sent me in just for hours. I just cried out to God. I was broken because I saw the passion that this man had for his people and for God, as you begin to read through the rest of chapter one, he, it's all a prayer. God, you're amazing. You're great. We are your people. And he says, I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to ask for favor. God, would you grant me favor as I go to the king? Because Nehemiah knows he could lose his life just by asking to go back and help out. So he does it. And God uses him to go back and restore the walls, rebuild Jerusalem. It wasn't easy. He went through lots of hardship. But God, it's an amazing book. But it all happened because God ignited something inside of him. And did you notice his response? He didn't just pray about it. He prayed. He, he wept. He fasted, not just for hours, but for days. He was in the state of brokenness, of just crying out to God, of calling out to God. Something ignited inside of Nehemiah, and he's like, I got to do something about this. It moved him so much that he had to take action. So my question for you is, what makes you cry? And what makes you angry? And I'm being honest, because the answer to that question unlocks passion for you. What makes you cry? When you think about what goes on in the world around you, and you, you see certain things, you hear about certain things, what breaks your heart? What upsets you? What's like, that should not be? The answer to that is a key to a God-given passion. And maybe, just maybe, God wants you to do something about it. Maybe there's something there that God wants to stir up, 
so that you can make a difference in other people's lives, so that you can make a difference in this world that we live in. It's passion. There's some passions deep inside of you. If I'm honest, and I can open up my heart, when I look around the world and I just see people that aren't walking in the freedom that Jesus has for them, when I see people who don't know Jesus and they're going to spend an eternity of hell, that messes me up. That's something that breaks my heart. The truth is we know it breaks God's heart too. And I think that's one of those things that at the core of our being, that should break our hearts. And if I'm not moved by the thought of people spending eternity away from God, separated from God and in hell, then I need to question my salvation. Can I say that <laughs> in love? Because I, seriously, guys, that's, that's the biggest deal that there is. There's lots of needs in the world. The greatest poverty is spiritual poverty. That's the greatest poverty that the world is experiencing, is people without relationship with God. But it's important we understand the answer to that question, what makes me cry, what makes me angry. Those are things that are going to stir your heart to do something about. There's a sweet spot for us, I think, in life and that's where those desires, those passions, and that your giftings collide. That's a sweet spot. Passions and giftings. And when those come together, that's, that's, that's a place that you want to live. Okay, so your gifts, your God-given gifts, those are what you're good at, right? And then those God-ordained desires, those are the things that you are passionate about. And so when those come together, that's, it's, it's a beautiful merging of you living in this place of your sweet spot your gifts, and your passion. We're all gifted. You got gifts. God has given you gifts that he wants you to use. Candace just read that passage to us a few moments ago, but let's go back and read a few verses from that again just to remind us. Romans 12, starting with verse 6, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Amen. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion... Proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. I just love that. Hey, if you got a gift, use it. That's what Paul's saying. Whatever it is, yeah, do that. Use it. Uh, if it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And there's three words that really stand out there that I want us to highlight because... I think they're so important. Generously, cheerfully, diligently. Whatever you put your hands to, whatever you work at, especially as you go to work on a day-to-day -day basis, do it generously, cheerfully, and diligently. That word generously is the Greek word haplotes. It means sincerely and liberally. It's generously. It's going above and beyond. And you got cheerfully. That means happiness without a grudge. This is literally having a good attitude no matter what, having a sense of whistle while you work kind of a deal. That's cheerfully right there. And then diligently. This is, this is doing it quickly, but doing it your best. Doing it with eagerness. That is diligently. It's having an eye for excellence and attention to detail. That's what diligence speaks to. It also has the connotation of taking delight in what you do. Just love that. Diligently, 
It's not just doing it quick and fast and well, but it's enjoying that, taking delight in that. I pray that as you work your job, that, that you, you take delight in it and that you do it generously and, and, and cheerfully and diligently. And did you know that as you do your work, whatever your work is, whatever your job is, you are doing it as worship unto the Lord, especially when you do it that way. Because it's important we understand that our work is our worship. Your work is worship. Do you realize that? As you go to work, it's worship. Worship isn't just when I sing and pray to God. Work, your work is a worship unto the Lord. And that's a pretty beautiful thing. I love what Martin Luther said years ago. He says, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. I only believe that. God is interested in you and I excelling and doing it really, really good. Okay, think about Jesus. Consider Jesus. We focus in on his ministry years, rightfully so. That's what we know most about. But think about most of his life. For most of his adult life, he worked a job. Maybe he started around the age of 15, 14, whenever, you know, learned the trade and did that all the way through his 20s. So you can say about 15 years, he worked a job with the family trade, which was carpentry. So do you think that Jesus was worshiping God and glorifying his father through those years, or was it just when he did his ministry years? Have you ever thought about that? Oh, now that Jesus started his ministry, now this is the important years. But weren't those other years important as well? As he worked that job, do you think Jesus enjoyed his carpentry work? Do you think he was good at what he did? He probably made some of the best stuff in all of Galilee. He was probably the best carpenter around. That would be my guess. That would be my assumption, meaning how he's the God man and all. But I'll bet he was good at it. Your work is a worship. Don't forget that. Life's too short not to love what you do, so do what you love. And worship God as you do it. So let's look at Romans 12 here. Uh, we're, we're already in Romans 12, but let's go back a few verses as we bring this to a close here because these first couple verses are so important as we understand God's will for our life, which again is what this is all about, God's will, God's plan for our life. So verse 1, Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, Brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. If we talk about work as worship, really our life is worship. Worship is a lifestyle, isn't it? And the verse two says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the key right here, to understand God's will. Because it says, then you'll be able to understand what God's will is. You'll be able to test and approve what his will is. That word will, the Greek really translate in, translates into desires. These are God's desires for you. So we talk about desires today. God has plans. Those plans are desires that he has for you. And those desires are going to line up with your desires. It's amazing how God put this together. But the key to understanding God's will really comes down to this. Am I going to be conformed or transformed? Conformed 
or transformed? What kind of life am I going to live? The conformed life or the transformed life? Those are the only two options. I can conform to the world, the patterns of this world, how the world has called me to live, or I can allow God by the power of his spirit to transform me from the inside out. As I allow him to transform me, that's how you and I can discern the will of God. That's how we can test and approve and know what his will is for us. And so he transforms us by the renewing of our mind, right? That's what it talks about, the renewing of our mind. God wants to change how you and I think. That's what that means. It's a renewing of the mind. How do we do that? We gotta be in his word, guys. God will renew your mind through his word, being in his presence. We're gonna take some time just to enjoy the presence of God today. Being in God's presence, being in his word, is how God renews your mind. And that renewed mind is how he transforms your life from the inside out. And that's how you and I can make sure we are walking in God's will for our life. And what's super amazing is that as God renews our mind, what he's working on is desires. He's changing our desires. You know, I've kind of joked about how, like, when I sensed a call to be a pastor, I wanted nothing to do with it. And it's true. It didn't sound fun to me. But what's interesting is as I trusted God through that process, all of a sudden these desires that I had no idea were there began to awaken within me. It's amazing how God does that. You're like, I don't know about this, God. I don't know. This is, but as you trust God and what you, he, you sense he's calling you to do, where he's calling you to go, these desires can awaken within you that you had no idea were there. I just love how God does that. And God can change our desires. Now, to be fair, there are certain desires in our life that are sinful. Those are desires we need to crucify. Crucify those desires, but then there's the God-ordained desires that he wants to awaken, that he wants to sanctify, that he wants to redeem, that he wants to let loose in your life so that you can enjoy these plans that he has for you. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Love that. But what's the key? It comes back to allowing him to renew our mind and transform our life. But really, it goes back to this. Delight yourself in the Lord. You just take delight in him. That word delight is very powerful. It means a high degree of gratification, joy, extreme satisfaction, something that gives great pleasure. I pray that would describe your relationship with God. That there would be a high degree of joy and gratification that flows out of your relationship with God. And don't you want that to describe you and God? I think about just in your life, like all the things that you enjoy and the things that, that, that give you pleasure in life. I pray that God is the, thing you, the one you enjoy most. And if he isn't, he wants to be. And he can be. You can enjoy lots of things in life, and that's great, but enjoy God more than anything else. What if God became the greatest pleasure of my life? Ask yourself that. What if God became the greatest pleasure of my life? Meaning the best parts of my life are just when I'm just caught up in the presence of God. I just enjoy his presence, so then I can learn how to enjoy his presence every moment of the day. Remember, in the beginning of the series, I asked this question. Maybe you don't remember. 
So I'll ask it again. Are we supposed to enjoy life or enjoy God? And the answer to that would be, I'd say both. But I don't think you and I can fully enjoy life until we fully enjoy God. And it's out of enjoying God that I just have this enjoyment of life. And so I would say it's both. Enjoy God so that you can enjoy life. I pray that God would become the greatest pleasure of your life. What if God was the greatest pleasure, the thing that I found the most joy and delight in in my life? I promise you as he is, he will give you the desires of your heart. The more you take delight in him, the more you're going to desire things he wants you to desire, first of all, and he's going to fulfill those desires that you have in your life. So here's what we need to understand about God's will. God's will for our life simply is himself. (laughs) That you and I would just enjoy him. It's pretty simple. And it's important that we don't get caught up in all the other things. This is why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? Because we get caught up in worry, 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 worry. What's this? What do I got to do here? So Jesus says, seek first. And so it's, we got to make him the focus of our life, make our relationship with him the priority of our life. And what that means is just enjoy God. Enjoy your relationship with him. Enjoy his presence. He is the prize. He is the treasure. He is the one that we need. He is the goal. He is the plans. We talk about God's plans. God's plan for you is himself. That's what it is. We want the plans, but God's like, no, it's really about a person. It's about me. We want help making the decisions, but God wants us to focus just on trusting him and making him the priority of our life. We get caught up on, okay, God, who am I going to marry? Who's the person I should marry? God's like, I'm the most important person in your life. Focus in on me. We stress over the future. God, what do you call me to do in the future? Where do you want me to go? God says, I am your future. We get caught up in, God, what's your will for my life? I just need to know. And God's like, I am your will. It's me. God's plan is himself, guys. It's all about relationship. And this is a journey you and I get to enjoy. We don't ever arrive. It's not a destination. This is a journey of enjoying God and this relationship that we have with him. This is why he placed his spirit inside of us so we can enjoy him in his presence. So Galatians 5, 16, so I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Romans 8 says, uh, those who are led by the spirit are children of God. We need the spirit to fill us and lead us and guide us. That's how he's gonna help us really uh, enjoy him, enjoy his presence, and then we can know that we are living in the will of God. And I pray that God's will and God's presence would be the passion of our life, even more than food, more than anything else. It would be God. And can I just say that I think that our ability to enjoy God is directly connected to our spiritual maturity. How much do you enjoy God? I can give you an answer as to your spiritual maturity. Because reading the Bible, God doesn't want that to be a chore for us. He doesn't want that to feel like just obligation. He wants that to be enjoyment. That's his goal for you. So let's take some mo- a few moments here before we go. Let's just enjoy God. Let's enjoy his presence. Would you stand to your feet? And I'll invite the band to come back up here again today.
<laughs> Thanks, band. <laughs> it is kind of fun that we can do this today. It's just we don't need anything but really God's presence. And so we're just going to take some time and just enjoy God. Just go after him. You might have lots of stresses, lots of needs, lots of worries. I get that. And maybe you need some help and some prayer today. We got some people that would love to pray with you and for you. We'll have a prayer team in the front. Feel free to come on down anytime as we're singing and let people pray for you. There's power in prayer. Power in prayer. Come on, maybe you need that today. Do it. So that we can all just take some time just to let go of, of everything and just, just enjoy God and enjoy his presence. Would you close your eyes right now? Would you take some just long, deep breaths, just a long inhale? Long exhale, just, just, just relax so that we can just enjoy God and who he is. And God has given you today. And if you're at home, I just hope that you can enjoy this moment and, and, and join us in this moment as well. Just God has given you today. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy this moment. And maybe you just need a sense of peace and relaxation. God's presence is going to come and, and do that right now. Maybe you need his power to rise up inside of you. His presence is going to do that right now. As we enjoy him, as we look to him. So God, we give you our hearts right now. We give you our minds, we give you our worries, we give you our stresses, Lord. We give you our plans, our decisions, all these things, God. More than anything else, Lord, we just want you. And we recognize that your plan, your will, your desires for our life is that we would have you. And that we would realize that when we have you, we have it all. That you are all that we need, Jesus. You're our source of life, our source of strength, our source of hope. You are our Redeemer, our Forgiver, our Lord, our King. You are our everything. Everything. We just want you, Jesus. We're going after you. Going after you. So come on, let's just take some time. Let's just shut everything else out and let's seek God. I'm praying that there would be a hunger that would grow inside of you. A hunger right now just for God, more than anything else. Maybe you need to confess. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to just let go of some worries and some stresses and say, God, help me. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Do it right now in this moment. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Your sins put him on the cross, but he conquered death, showing you that he's God. He loves you. He willingly did it because he wants you to experience his life and his presence right now. Say yes to him right now. Ask for forgiveness. Say yes to following him, committing to him your whole life for the rest of your life, knowing that it's going to be an eternal life. Come on, right now, all of us right now, we're just giving God everything. We're going after him. We're going to enjoy God. We're going to worship him. Let's just take some time and just be with God in these moments. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.